So dynamic, so magnetic, so effervescent, so full of energy and vitality. Is it Herman? No. Is it Sherman? No. Is it Eddie? Is it Freddie? Oh, no, no, no. Is it Hart? Is it Schaffner? Is it March, perhaps? Oh, you'll never, never guess it. Don't snap your cap. Is just Miss Judy Garland. Here's the little gal who's earned a number one priority in your pinup department, both in your barracks wall and in your heart, Judy Garland. Clang, clang, clang went the trolley. Ding, ding, ding went the bell. Zing, zing, zing went my heart strings. From the moment I saw him, I fell. Hey, Judy fans, this is Mindy. Thanks for listening to another episode of Old Time Radio. Next in our series of shows featuring Judy Garland is her appearance on Bakers of America Salute to the Armed Forces. NBC Radio ran this program on June 4th, 1944. I did say baker and not banker, talking the bread you eat, not the bread you spend. <laughs> and apparently this was just something thrown together. I think it was a one-off. I really found squat information about the background of this show. But whoever was in charge of pulling it all together uh, had a lot of clout. We have Bing Crosby, Bob Hope, George Burns, Gracie Allen, Charlie McCarthy, and the reason why we're all here, Judy Garland. She ends up singing a few songs in this and just a beautiful duet with Bing on The Way You Look Tonight. That is probably now my new favorite version. I had not heard it before with the two of them, so that's that's a keeper in my book. <laughs> She also sings a gorgeous song called Long Ago and Far Away, which I think I've heard before, but possibly not Judy's version. And then to kick things off, she sings the trolley song. And I was thinking 1944, that I was thinking it was Meet Me in St. Louis even released at that point. It actually ended up being released in November. The show ran in June. So feasibly, you could conclude that this might be one of the very first times an audience heard the trolley song. And now that it's such an iconic part of American music, you know, it's kind of interesting to to think, you know, the first time you hear that, what's, they must have been like super surprised. It's a very complicated, fun song, but something that surprised me even more than probably their reaction to hearing it was Judy Garland's version of the song was only one of five that charted on song charts in 1944 and 1945 very successful song for five different people or acts and the one that ranked the highest hitting number two beating out judy garland's version at number four was the pied pipers featuring joe stafford neither name rang a bell for me but that's what youtube is for and so go poking around and find their version of it just to see just to see who on earth could have beaten (laughs) Judy's version of the trolley song. So right now I'm going to play you just a little snippet of their version just so you have an idea of of what we're talking about. This is Pied Pipers featuring Joe Stafford singing the trolley song. With his light brown derby and his bright green tie, he was quite the handsomest of men. I started to yen, so I counted to ten, then I counted to ten So pretty good, right? Like, it's not at all unpleasant. <laughs> it's, it's a very fine rendition of a really interesting song. But knowing Judy's version, 
is just so unfair to them because to me it's the equivalent of you get your little scoop of vanilla ice cream and your vanilla cone and it's so perfectly lovely and pleasant and then it's your birthday and out comes the sundae there's five flavors there's sprinkles there's whipped cream maybe some sparklers caramel syrup if you're me yeah that's that's the difference. Judy Garland comes out and it's wang, wang, it's just everywhere and it's amazing. And this uh, higher charting version was good. <laughs> just my opinion. Leave us a comment. If you disagree, if you like their version better, that's cool. All opinions are welcome. Shoot us a, shoot us a couple lines about what you think about the difference. But if you're kind of now in the mood for the full Judy performance of the Charlie song, you're about 20 seconds away. So from June 4th, 1944, this is the Bakers of America salute to the armed forces. Under the sponsorship of Fleischmann's Yeast, the Bakers of America present an hour of top flight entertainment dedicated to G.I. Joe and G.I. Josephine of all the armed forces. Themed to their families at home and by shortwave to battle stations all over the globe. And featuring a baker's dozen of stars and celebrities, including Bob Hope, Bing Crosby, Judy Garland, George Burns, and Gracie Allen, Rear Admiral William Brent Young, Brigadier General Carl A. Hardig, Gracie Fields, Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy, Ray Noble and his orchestra and chorus, and yours truly, Bill Goodwin. <laughs> The Bakers of America bring you the jam on the bread first. The sweet-voiced Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer star who's been first in the hearts of her countrymen since she was going on sick, Judy Garland. With the Ray Noble Orchestra and Chorus, Judy sings the trolley song from Meet Me in St. Louis. Judy. My high starch collar and my high top shoes and my hair piled high upon my head. I went to lose a jolly hour on the trolley and lost my heart instead. With his light brown derby and his bright green tie, he was quite the handsomest of men. I started to yen, so I counted to ten, then I counted to ten again. Clang, clang went the trolley, ding, ding, ding went the bell, zing, zing, zing went my heartstrings, from the moment I saw him I fell. Chug, chug, chug went the motor, bump, bump, bump went the brake, bump, bump, bump went my heartstrings, when he smiled I could feel the car shake. He tipped his hat and took a seat. He said he hoped he hadn't stepped upon my feet. He asked my name. I held my breath. I couldn't speak because he scared me half to death. But I was a wonder. Flop, flop, went the wheels. Stop, 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 went my heartstrings. As he started to go, then I started to know how it feels when the universe reels. The day was bright, the air was sweet, but now a tiny speck of time 
America's number one soldier in grease paint, Mr. Bob Hope. Bing Crosby says that Bob has appeared before so many soldiers, he now lays nothing but khaki eggs. Shakespeare expresses what Bob's overseas performances mean to millions of homesick soldiers when he says, the miserable have no other medicine but only hope. <laughs> but on this show, presented as it is by Baker's, we prefer the 17th century description. Hope is the poor man's bread. And when you say anything is like bread, you're saying it's fundamentally important. Today's enriched white bread is basic on all counts. Popularity, cost, availability, goodness, usefulness, and solid nutritional value. No other food has ever been improved so much so quickly. Just a minute, Bob. That's where the comparison with Bob Hope ends. But here's where Bob himself begins. So, ladies and gentlemen, the staunch paunch with the flip quip, Mr. Lester Bob Hope. Hey. That's silly. Thank you very much. How do you do, ladies and gentlemen? This is Bob Breadbasket Hope. <laughs> Telling all you bakers to use Fleischmann's yeast in your bread and your buns, and they won't fall to pieces like the nips and the huns. <laughs> Thank you. Well, here I am in the air for Fleischmann's yeast cakes. You know what a yeast cake is. That's something that starts out looking like Frank Sinatra and winds up looking like Edward Arnold. This program is for the bakers all over America. I know a little about baking myself. I've been in five pictures with Dorothy L'Amour. <laughs> and there are a lot of great cooks in my family. In fact, my uncle once cooked for the governor. His reprieve came through too late. <laughs> my uncle... <laughs> we can't wait long. This is a big joint, you know. You got it. <laughs> my uncle was a great baker. especially was pretzels. You know what a pretzel is. That's a donut with a conga line. <laughs> I'd like to hear from Hollywood Boulevard back there, too. <laughs> this is strange, though, broadcasting for a civilian audience. I've been playing so many army camps lately, the government started sending my father an allotment. But, <laughs> but Crosby refused it. But I've really... <laughs> but I've really changed since I started playing army camps. They used to call me Corny Joe, but not anymore. I'm now referred to as Spammy Sam. <laughs> Where is it? Oh, but it's nice to be in Hollywood in June. There's even a spirit of love in the air. I drove my Pontiac down Hollywood Boulevard this morning, and a pink Buick came along and kissed the front fender right off of it. 
You all know what love is. Love is something you can't understand. It's sort of a marzy dose in a front porch swing. But I'm glad to hear you're there Yes <laughs> Everybody's getting married, too The other day, a girl rivered over at Lockheed married, married a man welder over at Douglas It's really wonderful They're going to settle down And raise little fuselages <laughs> I should have opened with that, huh? <laughs> These Hollywood girls don't kid around During the month of June One guy on Hollywood Boulevard Whistled for a taxi And before it could pull over to the curb Three girls were suing him For a breach of promise <laughs> I, uh... <laughs> I was out with a girl last night And it was such a nice night We sat in the car and parked for a while Until Madman Munch came over and made us get out (laughs) You must all be you driving used cars out here And all the Hollywood stars are marrying men in the service Ginger Rogers is married to Marine Rosalind Russell is married to a soldier And Betty Hutton is going steady with a jeep uh, <laughs> Betty Grable got married to Harry James That just gave the soldiers another good reason For hating buglers <laughs> I went to a wedding the other day And boy was the bride fat She was so fat the preacher said Do you take this woman twice To be sure he got her all in <laughs> The bride was one of those Hollywood glamour girls She had a pair of long false eyelashes In fact every time she blinked She cut the wedding cake <laughs> That's a picture gag It'll be a killer when television comes in (laughs) Hiding today, I'm sorry But the bride's father was really glad to see the wedding ceremony finished In fact, he applauded so hard he dropped his flamethrower There we are, yes, sir (laughs) This is like broadcasting from Utter McKinley's here today, isn't it beautiful? Hello, honey How are you? Why, it's Judy Garland Say, I knew you'd give Mickey Rooney the brush And come back with a younger crowd I knew it would happen The younger crowd? Bob, you don't really think you're younger than Mickey Rooney, do you? Just because you were two years behind him in school (laughs) Yes, I can't understand it We were both studying the same teachers, too You know, you know, Bob, Bing Crosby's on the Baker program today, too He is Do you suppose they're trying to push the crack wheat? I wonder why the bakers have both Bing and me on their program I don't know Maybe they want to see the different size ovens You can't be thinking of Sylph like me You must mean Crosby He's the boy with the bucks and barbecue (laughs) Oh, Bob, I don't know why you say things like that about Bing I'm sure there's nothing in the world Bing wouldn't do for you You want to bet? like broadcasting in the Holland Tube. Come in, Dad. <laughs> Glad to see you. Well, well, if it isn't the Sinatra of the gay 90s, how do you oh, feel? Yeah. Huh? <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> Judy and I were just talking about you, Bing. I knew you were, Bunion Beak. <laughs> Bunion Beak? Well, tell me, Hog Hips, how did you know... How did you know we were talking about you? My ears were burning. If your ears were burning, it was a four-alarm fire. Yes, sir? (laughs) Oh, there's something about me today that's pretty sharp, huh? (laughs) If I hung my hat over it, you couldn't breathe. I... (laughs) 
ashamed of yourselves. Two good friends, it says here, acting like this. Would you sneak a little jolly yes. thing in there, huh? <laughs> Read the she line. So she had a writer hit today. Look at that. You know, Cross, maybe a Judith, Judith girl is right. She might be at that. I'll, I'll tell you what, Bob, no more insults. How about it? Okay, no more insults. Oh, fellas, that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Well, Bing. Yes, Bob. Dull, isn't it? <laughs> well, you two should find something educational to talk about. How about Bob's new book? Yes, yes, yes. yes. Oh, no. Let's leave dull enough alone. I... <laughs> well, I'd like to hear about the book. What are you calling it, Bob? I, I never left home. Guess who's, who it's about. Eleanor Roosevelt? No. <laughs> No, hers is I never stay home, oh, you know that. Of course, of course. Well, what's your book about, though? Oh, it's sort of a history of my travels, my doings, and the clothes I wore. Sounds like a combination of my day and the grapes of wrath. <laughs> Look who's talking, and you're wearing a shirt made out of old diapers right here. Look at those. <laughs> Nowadays, we, we have to make use of what we have the most of. <laughs> And you are really loaded. Incidentally, Bing. <laughs> Bing, when I was in Africa, our boys were playing a lot of your recordings over there. Did they like Bing singing? No, but it kept the camels happy during mating season. It worked out. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've just been thinking about talking about that book. If this low comic here can write a book, why don't, why don't I whip up a literary dozer? Oh, hmm? I know, but, <laughs> but writing, writing a book takes years of hard work and patience. I'm loaded with patience, Cousin Judy. Yeah. I'll wait if it takes 16 years. Still a Republican, huh? Hmm? <laughs> Are you talking about your horses? No, go ahead. It's all right. Oh, look, boys. I've got an idea to put a stop to this. Why don't you agree to pay each other a dollar for every insult? I'll go for that. I knew that would appeal to Crosby, but I ought to get odds. He's easier to insult than I am. <laughs> but it's okay with me. Shake. Shake. Tell you what, Bob. I'll come over to your house for dinner. Hey, spend a few days there. Here's a dollar. What for? Because I wouldn't let a cheapskate with a stable of broken-down horses eat me out of house and home. You through? Yes. Here's five dollars. What for? Because I want to say that you're a knob-nosed, feather-brained, chisel-chin chiseler who never puts out a nickel unless it's fastened onto a yo-yo. Yeah? Well, I'll be right back. Where are you going? Out to cash a check. <laughs> While Brother Hope is out trapping a couple of unwary co-signers, here's a smidgen of love, 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 with some clever accompaniment by Ray, the noblest and noble of them all. Imagine you imagining that you love me, starting on a family tree. Imagine starting on a family tree. The mama is you and the papa is me. If your heart goes bumpity bump, it's love, love, love And if your throat comes up with a lump It's love, love, love And if your knees go knockety-knock It's love, love, love And if your cuckoo like the cuckoo in the clock It's love, love, love Imagine you imagining a man and a wife We'll go and buy a fork and a knife. 
Imagine eating with a fork and a knife. How rich you will be for the rest of our life. If your heart goes bumpity-bump. It's love, love, love. And if your throat comes up with a lump. It's love, love, love. If your knees go knockity, knockity, knock. It's love, love, love. And if you cuckoo like the cuckoo in the clock. coming up, and the way travel is nowadays, we think you boys have the right idea, so hit the road. The Bakers of America are now hitting the road, too. By the miracle of radio, we're going to Washington for the privilege of a few words with Brigadier General Carl A. Hardick, Chief of the Subsistence Division of the Office of the Quartermaster General. The Quartermaster Corps has been supplying clothing, food, and equipment since 1775. On June 16th, the fighting quartermasters are celebrating their 169th anniversary. General Hardig, as chief of subsistence of the Army's fighting quartermasters, will you tell us about the Army's use of bread? Army menus are planned to include the basic seven foods. One of these is bread. The American soldier in the continental United States consumes approximately 165 pounds of bread each year. Why, General, the total must be tremendous. Where does your bread come from? Some of it is baked by Army-trained bakers in huge post bakeries. The balance is purchased from commercial bakers. I understand that all bread used by the Army is enriched. Yes, it is. Every loaf, both at home and abroad. Well, what provision is made for supplying bread overseas? Quartermaster Corps bakery companies are operating in every theater. The bakery units move in right behind the invasion troops. They set up their gasoline ovens, mixing equipment, and fly screen storage racks and go to work. You'll find these bakery companies in Italy, the South Pacific, England, in fact, everywhere that there is any sizable concentration of American troop strength. Well, can you tell us something about how those boys produce bread under difficulties, General Hardig? Recently, I received a report from a bakery company operating in the casino area in Italy. In the three months since they landed at Salerno, this outfit has been producing bread, which was loaded on mule back and carried over mountain trails as far as the mules could proceed. Then the bread was loaded on soldiers' backs and transported to the using units. The bakery unit has been frequently under attack and operated under camouflaged conditions. 
it was necessary for these troops to build a complete water system from salvaged captured equipment. Yet in three months, they baked enough bread to build a wall six loaves high from Naples to Rome, a distance of about 100 miles. And there, Mr. Goodwin, is the answer to the question of the importance of bread to our army. Thank you, General Hardy. Back in Hollywood, Judy Garland sings Sergeant David Rose's beautiful arrangement of Long Ago and Far Away. Judy Garland.
The appearance of George Burns and Gracie Allen, Mr. and Mrs. Burns in private life, on the Baker's show this evening is particularly appropriate because the most important thing in their household is their two children. And if I know anything about small fry, the most important thing to the two children is bread. Most kids look on home as a filling station open around the clock, a place where you can always get six or seven sandwiches per person. Now with bakers and rich white bread available everywhere, parents can rest easy about this gigantic bread consumption. Every loaf is up to government standards containing important vitamins, iron and food energy to help build sturdy growing bodies. Yes, parents know best of all that in popularity, cost, availability, goodness, usefulness, and solid nutritional value, Baker's enriched white bread is basic. And now, for the next few minutes, we're going to reverse the usual procedure of radio and listen in on a couple of listeners. George Burns and Gracie Allen are listening to this program at home. So let's meet the people who live in the Burns house, George and Gracie. Turn off the radio, George. Turn it off. But, honey... Turn it off. But, Gracie, that's a wonderful program. Did you hear those laughs Hope got and the applause Crosby and Judy Garland got? That's why I couldn't stand to listen, George. Why should those people get the laughter and applause when you sit at home bulging with talent? <laughs> Me? I bulge with talent? I'll bet you bulge even more than Crosby. Well, I don't know Well, I do Oh, Crosby's all right But you can hardly compare him to Sugar Throat Burns Where the blue of the night meets the gold of the day Bo-bo-bo-bo-boo Oh, I'll bet if Bing ever heard you He'd retire and start to raise a family Bing's pretty good You know, his voice has a certain little catch in it Oh, pooh your voice has a rip in it. Well, thanks. There's only one reason why Bing Crosby is on that program instead of you. What's that? Politics. <laughs> Politics? Bing has pulled a few strings. Why do you think another certain party isn't on that program? What certain party? 78 pounds of dynamite called Frank Sinatra. <laughs> You mean Bing? Sure, sure. He's been upset ever since the day he came home and found his wife wearing bobby socks. <laughs> You're wrong, honey. Bing Crosby is tops. He doesn't have to hold anybody back. Are you kidding? There are two men in this world Bing is afraid of. Frank Sinatra and George Burns. Oh, that's ridiculous. He might worry a little about the new singing sensation, but why should he worry about Sinatra? <laughs> I'd love to call you Rose, dear, but roses fade away. Roses die when wintertime appears. I love to call you Daisy. George. I love to call you Daisy. George. Uh, George. Huh? George. What? Put on your hat and coat. We're going down to that radio studio and put you on that program. But, honey, Bing is a nice fellow. I don't want to throw him out of work. Oh, he's, he's been on top long enough. It's time some young fella come along and, and took his place. You really think so? Well, yes. Yeah. So you hurry and take it before some young fella comes along. <laughs> well, I don't know. Oh, George, you're just too modest. Well, you, you could take over that whole program. 
Not only do you sing better than Crosby, but you're funnier than Bob Hope. Oh, I am not. Oh, you are, too. Well, just, just people just look at you and start laughing. Really? Well, sure. You've got more talent in your little finger than Bob Hope has in his entire nose. <laughs> Everybody's always talking about Hope's nose. I think yours has much more personality. It has, huh? Well, sure. I love the way your nose crinkles up when you smile. You do? Yeah. And I love it when you stop smiling and it just hangs there. <laughs> it takes more than a nose to make a comedian. Hope is great. He's got something that makes all those boys in army camps yell their heads off. I know he has. But maybe you could offer Francis Langford more money. <laughs> oh, stop dreaming. I couldn't take Hope's place in a million years. Oh, why, it's easy, George. All you have to say is, this is George broadcasting from Camp So-and-So Burns. Then you wait. Wait? Yeah, wait for the laugh. Uh, Sometimes you have to wait quite a while, but it always comes. I see. And then you continue. Telling all you listeners to use my stuff and you'll have pretty listeners. That's all I have to do to be like Hope, huh? Oh, no, no. Now comes the big laugh. How do I get that? Well, you just say, Well, folks, I met a gopher walking through the La Brea Tar Pit. And then the place falls down. <laughs> Honey, tune that program back in. We haven't heard Gracie Fields and Edgar Bergen. Oh, Edgar Bergen. Now, there's a man who hasn't got half your talent. Bergen? Why, he's one of the greatest performers in show business. Yeah. Take away Charlie McCarthy and what have you got? <laughs> Just an empty lap. Gracie. And how does Bergen show his gratitude to poor Charlie? Pays him 75 cents a week and makes him sleep in a packing case. Charlie McCarthy is a dummy. Well, he is if he puts up with that. <laughs> 75 cents a week. Well, you pay me twice that much. Look, sweetheart. Come in. Oh, hello, Gracie. Hello, George. Well, Tootsie Stagwell, you sound all out of breath. Well, I am. I ran all the way here from the park. Why? Oh, those fresh sailors. The, the park is full of them on Sunday. You mean they annoyed you? Yes, I couldn't catch them. <laughs> Are you still trying to get a husband? Well, gee, can I help it? I'm desperate. Oh, poor Tootsie, I know how you feel. I guess you do, Gracie. You must have been pretty desperate yourself. <laughs> well, Tootsie, don't you worry. We'll find you some nice single man. But right now, I'm worried about George's career. Maybe it's my fault that he's not a bigger success. Maybe I'm holding him up. Well, I've always thought something was holding him up. <laughs> oh, I'm glad you agree, Tootsie. After all, Bing Crosby's wife doesn't work with him. Bob Hope's wife doesn't work with him. Edgar Bergen's wife doesn't work with him. Edgar Bergen hasn't got a wife. Well, if he ha... He hasn't? <gasps> Tootsie! <laughs> Tootsie, how would you like to marry Edgar Bergen? <laughs> Mr. Bergen is on that big radio program that's on the air right now. And if we hurry to the studio, maybe we can catch him before he gets away and you can get married this afternoon. Well, let's go. I don't like these long engagements. Now, girls... You stay out of this. Oh, Gracie, I love the He-Man type. I wonder if Mr. Bergen has hair on his chest. Well, certainly. That's probably where it slipped to. Come on. Come on. <laughs>
Love America show for the armed forces will continue with Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy, Bing Crosby, Gracie Allen, Judy Garland, Gracie Fields, Admiral William Brent Young, and Ray Noble's orchestra after a brief pause for station identification. Westinghouse, KDKA, in Pittsburgh. This is Bill Goodwin, continuing with the Bakers of America show for the Armed Forces. And for all our boys and girls in uniform, here are Bing Crosby and Judy Garland singing The Way You Look Tonight. Bing? <laughs> Charlie McCarthy, who appear regularly on the air for standard brands, the makers of Fleischmann's yeasts. A team themselves, they call your attention to the teamwork of bakers and the United States government the past two years in enriching all white bakers' bread with important vitamins and iron. 
Probably never before in history have the discoveries of science been so swiftly applied on a nationwide scale for the benefit of all the people. So remember, in planning the most nutritious meals, now more than ever, bread is basic. The bakers then, in the interest of bread, present Edgar, sometimes called the bread basket of the nation, and Charlie, who likes nothing better than a good long loaf, Bergen and McCarthy. Charlie, do you realize that this is the last time we'll all be together until next September? Yes, yes, sir. It makes me a little sad, you know, Bergen? Yes. I suppose you're going to spend your summer now getting into mischief as usual. Uh, well, uh, uh, no. Oh, I see. Oh, no, no. You're talking to a new McCarthy. Well, I'm glad to hear that. Yes. Yes, I, uh, I'm going to work. No. Really? Well, going to work. Well, that's wonderful. You know, Charlie, when, uh, when I was a boy... Oh, come now, please. <laughs> Don't give us that old salt mine routine. No, no, no. <laughs> what I was going to say was, uh, when I was a boy, I enjoyed, I enjoyed working. Yeah, try and get it right if you can. Yes. <laughs> yes, I, I really enjoyed it. I was always a, a breadwinner. Oh, were you? Yes. Uh-huh. Bed winner. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But I'm the little guy that put the jam on it for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, what sort of work do you intend doing, Charlie? Well, I'm getting a situation in aviation. Oh, I see. Yes, I'm going to pivot the rivet or something. <laughs> going to do what? I'm going to fuselage the fuselage. Oh, I see. Yes. Well, what could you possibly do around an airplane factory? Well, you see, my size is helpful. Oh, I see. They use little fellas to work, like, in the nose of the plane. Oh, is that so? Yeah. In the nose? Mm-hmm. I see. Well, that's, uh, that's not to be sneezed at. Bergen, <laughs> 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 uh, was that supposed to be uh, a joke? Well, I, I, I sometimes stoop to one. Yes. Mm. You didn't quite make it, did you? No. <laughs> Well, now, Charlie, when you apply for this job, the first thing they'll want to know about you, of course, is your experience. Yes, sir. Yes. Now, what experience have you had? Well, I'll tell you, Bergen, I had a funny one last night. No, no. no. <laughs> I was coming out of an alley. No, no, no. No, no, I don't mean that at all. <clears throat> and another thing they want to know about you, and they must have, of course, is your birth certificate. Ella? Uh, your birth certificate. Oh, yes, a stiff ticket. No, stiff, a certificate, stiff. Yeah, certificate, yes. Yeah. Uh, it has something to do, you know, it, it sort of comes with you when you're born. Oh, you mean like a set of instructions? Well, yes, right, yes, yes. It's a legal document from your parents. Oh, I see, it's sort of a special permission from the copyright owners. Yes, you might say that, yeah. That's right, Charlie, but you see, I've, I've never had a certificate for you. No? No. It's a shabby way to do business, isn't it? Well, as a matter of fact, I, I don't know anything about you or your parents. No? No. I have no record or information on you at all, Charlie. No? No information at all? No. Nothing. See? I'm just, uh, just nothing but a nothing, huh? Yeah, I'm afraid, <laughs> Charlie. I might as well tell you, Charlie, just exactly how you happen to be here. Would you please? Yes. I wish you would. Yes. I'm going to 
going to tell you the whole story, Charlie, how we happened to be together. Yes. And how I found you. Yeah. Yes. Uh, start with the cabbage patch. No, no. <laughs> no, I'll tell you, I'll never forget it. I was sitting at home one evening reading a book. Uh-huh. When the bell rang. Uh-huh. And I opened the door, and there you were on my doorstep. No. Yes. Hmm. And it was two o'clock in the morning. Yeah? Yes. Stu to the gills, was I? No, no. <laughs> no. Why, you were just a wee baby. Yeah? Yes, in a basket. Me in a basket? That's right. <laughs> Who left me there? Well, I, I don't know. But you were just a cold, helpless little infant. <laughs> well, I, I've always been puny. Yes. Well, you, you look like an incubator baby to me. Yeah? Yes. Well, now, just a minute, Bergen. It's bad enough being an orphan. Don't tell me my mother was an oil stove. No. <laughs> I'll never forget seeing you for the first time. I pulled back the edge of the blanket, and you smiled at me. <laughs> I must have been cunning, huh? You. And you know what you did? Uh, no, I forget for the moment. You. Well, you, you smiled at me, and you, you reached up, and you pulled my hair. Yeah. Oh, come on, Bergen. <laughs> Let's not get into the impossible. All right. Well, ever since then, I've been confronted with one great problem. What's that? Well, the problem has always been, as I guess it is with most foster parents, should I tell you that you are an adopted child or that I am your real father? You, my real father? Yes. Well, I... I think things are bad enough as they are now, don't you? Oh, yeah, I see what if I really were your father, Charlie? Wouldn't that be amusing? Yes, it would, yes. It would at least explain a cheap streak in me, wouldn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, Charlie, I do deserve some credit for having raised you. You know, I've, I've tried to be a mother as well as a father to you. Uh-huh, that's nice. I've worried about you. Mm -hmm. And when you were a baby, I, I held you in my arms. See. I put you to bed, and I cuddled you. Bacon? Yes. Kiss me. Oh. oh, Mr. Bergen, Mr. Bergen. Well, hello, Gracie. Uh, Mr. Bergen, I'd like you to meet my girlfriend, Tootsie Sagwell. <laughs> How do you do? Bergen, pipe the puss on that thing. <laughs> How do you do, Miss uh, Sagwell? Sagwell? Is that her name or her condition? <laughs> um, Mr. Bergen, I thought if you weren't doing anything else this afternoon, you might like to marry Tootsie. Marry Tootsie? Well, yes. Tootsie's single and you're single. Mm. And it's easy to see why in both cases. <laughs> Mr. Bergen, you must be tired of holding that same dummy on your lap day after day. Well, Why don't you hold Tootsie for a while? Well, now, uh, Gracie, this, this is so sudden. You know, I, I'm, I'm not ready to get married. Oh, well, I'll make all the preparations that simple. Something old, something new, something borrowed, and something blue. Okay, sister. Bergen's old, I'm new. Tootsie must be borrowed, and it's time we're blue. Come on, Bergen. <laughs> Bump once more into one of America's most famous fathers, Mr. Bing Crosby. 
words so sweet that I repeat means I adore you. sweeter things in your ear. Somehow or other, nothing sounds quite so dear as this soft caressing word I know. Washington again for a word with Rear Admiral William Brent Young, Chief of the Bureau of Supplies and Accounts and Paymaster General of the United States Navy. Admiral Young is responsible for providing our battle fleets with the supplies they need, where they need them, when they need them. With our Navy operating on all the seven seas and our vital supply lines stretching all the way around the world, his is one of the largest responsibilities of this war. I'm sure I speak for the Bakers everywhere, Admiral Young, in welcoming you to this Baker show. General Hardig earlier gave us the impression that the Army thinks well of bread and bakers. Yes, I heard him practically borrow the baker's own phrase, bread is basic. Well, I might have known nothing would get past the Navy. Nothing does. We agree that bread is a basic food at sea, as well as ashore. A ship's bake shop is a, is a busy, important place. The Navy's bakers are good. They bake good bread, and plenty of it. And aboard a battleship, for instance, the bakers turn out from six to seven hundred two-pound loaves of bread every day, as well as pies and cakes and cookies and other pastries, all mighty popular with our blue jackets. 
Bread is always included in three square meals a day, served in every daily mess. Is that the case when there's fighting to do, Admiral? You don't stop a battle, of course, to sit down to a full meal. But in, under every condition, Navy men are well-nourished to maintain their health, energy, and fighting efficiency. They serve special battle rations at their battle stations, well-balanced food, easily prepared, that may be eaten conveniently during lulls in action. Bread is a mainstay of Navy battle rations, served in thick, well-filled, satisfying sandwiches along with uh, hot coffee and fruit or fruit juice. Fresh every day, from the big shops of major vessels, bread is one of the food essentials of our fighting Navy. Thank you, Admiral Young. Well, we're coming next to Gracie Fields. And when you come to Gracie, you come to a woman great in a dozen fields. A foremost singer and actress, super saleswoman of war bonds, patron saint of an orphanage, a tomboy, a great lady, and a simple homebody who is never happier than when sitting up with a sick geranium. And Gracie's equally successful in each part she plays. Not to make a pun, Baker's Enriched White Bread plays many roles superbly, too. Plain or toasted or grouped in a sandwich, in usefulness, it's the mainstay of menus, the keel of the meal, the pick of the picnic. And always it's a coalition in nutrition. Every last delicious loaf containing useful amounts of thiamine, riboflavin, niacin, iron, and food energy. Yes, enriched white bread is basic. But now here is Miss Fields with a sentimental song that she feels expresses a thought near and dear to the many boys she's met in her visits to the army camps. Miss Gracie Fields. together this summer. It's going to be nice being with you on the Chase and Sanborn show. Why, Gracie, do you really think so? Of course. I'm quite an admirer of yours. I like your smile, and I think you're very clever. Oh, Gracie, you're just saying that because it's true. <laughs> well, you know, they told me I'd find the men very modest out here in the West. Oh, yes, and handsome and intelligent, too. You know, standing here with you, it doesn't seem like the West at all. Now, of course, I can be very helpful, you know I can show you around the town And tell you about local customs and expressions You know, like in England, everybody says, Hail John Bull Oh, I already know what everyone's saying over here Well, what's that? Send me, Frankie 
What part of England are you from? London. I was born near Leicester Square. Do you mean Leicester Square? Well, it's, it's spelled Leicester, oh. but it's pronounced Leicester. Where are you from, Bill? To you. Well, you see, it's spelled Sioux City, Gracie, but it's pronounced... Oh. <laughs> Gracie, I've been to London. I, I lived in... Um, I lived... Uh, I just can't remember. Piccadilly? Well, I managed to find a few. Yes, Eddie. Uh, if you'll excuse me a moment, I'd like to wish Miss Fields the best of luck on the Chase and Sanborn show this summer. Well, thank you very much, Mr. Bergen. And there's someone I want you to meet, too. Oh, Charlie? Uh, yes, thank you. Charlie, I want you to say hello to my very charming friend. Oh, I'd love to. What's the name? Uh, Fields. Uh, uh, Fields, yes. <laughs> Not that tomato nose, not that walking beer there. No, 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 no. Oh, Clifton, so help me, I'll move it down. No, no, no. <laughs> no, it isn't W.C. Fields. Oh, no. No, it's Miss Gracie Fields. Oh. Miss Fields is going to take my place on the show this summer. You mean our place on the show. <laughs> Naturally, when I said my place, I was speaking for both of us. Yeah. That's a nasty habit, you ventriloquist. <laughs> You know, you're quite different from what they told me about you. Oh, am I? Uh-huh. Hmm. You mean I'm, I'm nicer than you expected? Yes, you are. Hmm. Well, Gracie, I mean, Miss Fields, uh, this may be the beginning of a wonderful friendship. Well, why not? After all, two redheads, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, we, we have much in common, don't we, Big Top? <laughs> we certainly have, Rusty. Uh, tell me, are you a real, I mean, a natural, uh, I mean, you don't, uh, 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 are you? <laughs> yes, I am. Uh -huh. So am I. My hair is naturally straight, too. <laughs> Never put a thing on it. Don't you really? Nothing but my hat. <laughs> Edgar, I understand that you and Charlie are going to visit a lot of service hospitals this summer. Yes, we are, Gracie. I'm sure the boys will welcome you with open arms. I hope the nurses have the same idea. <laughs> Charlie, as long as you're going on a trip, I'm going to give you a nice big kiss. Oh, boy. On the forehead. Oh. Oh, come now. I'm going farther away than that. <laughs> Charlie, aren't you going to wish Miss Fields good luck? Well, certainly I am. Certainly. Uh, but don't work too hard, Miss Fields. You know, sorry to take it easy and... How After nice all, of you. After know, you. there's no use overdoing things in hot weather. Right? Oh, that's so nice of you, trying to protect my health. Yes, yes. Uh, I'm trying to protect my job, too. <laughs> well, have a good vacation, Charlie. We'll be seeing you again in the fall. And now, ladies and gentlemen, Miss Gracie Fields sings Danny Boy for all the boys and girls of all the allied nations everywhere in the world. And it's also for you, too, Charlie. Uh -uh. Oh, Danny boy, the pipes, the pipes are calling from glen to glen and down the mountainside. The summer's gone and all of our Tis you, tis you must go and I must buy. But come ye back when summer's 
you G.I.s, you boys and girls in uniform, wherever you may be, from the bakers of America and all of us to all of you. We hope that this hour has brought you a bit of happiness, and we'd like you to know that today, as always, our hearts and our hopes are with you. The bakers of America wish to thank the Kraft Cheese Company for the appearance this evening of Bing Crosby, the makers of Chase and Sanborn Coffee and Stams for lending us Edgar Bergen, Charlie McCarthy, Gracie Fields, and Ray Noble. The Pepsodent Company for Bob Hope. Lever Brothers, the makers of Swan Soap for George Burns and Gracie Allen. And Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer, producers of the new Technicolor musical Bathing Beauty for Judy Garland. We wish to thank also the cast of One Man's Family for relinquishing their time to the Baker's salute to the armed forces. Don't forget to listen in next Sunday to the big new Chase and Sanborn show starring Gracie Fields. Bob Burns will be our first guest. Next Sunday... One man's family will be heard at its usual time following Gracie Fields. On behalf of the Bakers of America, this program was sponsored by the makers of Fleischmann's Yeast. And this is Bill Goodwin saying good night.
This program came to you from Hollywood. This is the National Broadcasting Company.